Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Always So Ecological. My name is Ty, and I'm your host. And once again, this is a podcast where I take a moment to talk about things from life, uh, society, and culture from a ecological perspective, with ecological simply meaning uh, consistently logical, truthful, practical, and rooted in Christ. So a lot's happened over the course of the last year, hasn't it? I mean, many of us have had to deal with um, hit after hit, feeling like you're barely treading water while getting swamped by wave after wave. Some of us have lost jobs, businesses, our health, but many of us have lost a loved one to a virus that some in the country seem to take as an existential threat, while others scoff as though a minor inconvenience. Now, I don't want to add to anyone's pain, but I feel I'd be remiss to not mention that to date, we're quickly approaching 400,000 deaths since April 2020 and almost 24 million Americans infected. I know some look at COVID like the flu and don't feel all the measures that were taken to try and mitigate the spread was necessary. But the biggest estimate of flu deaths in the U.S., according to the CDC, is 61,000 people in the 2017-2018 flu year. That means that the actual number of deaths from COVID is more than six times greater than the flu, and a full year hasn't passed since we finally acknowledged it was here in America. And while I've been blessed to not experience what so many have, COVID has changed how all of us go about life. My first episode of 2021 was one where I honored the mamas I lost in 2020. And one thing that has bothered me a lot is the fact that I didn't get to see them, to hug them or kiss their face before they passed. I didn't get to look them in the eyes and tell them how much they meant to me. And that's made me think about all of the families who lost someone and weren't able to do those things either or who had to say goodbye by a video call. And then my mind wanders to those families who had to struggle with a loss of income and their home. Um, Those who were considered essential workers, but who also had to work in unsafe environments and put their loved ones at risk. Um, While scientists were still trying to figure out and understand the virus, uh, while others were fighting this culture war due to politics. I think about those parents, many single parents, who had to choose between caring for their children at home versus going to work, and everyone who were praying and looking for help that wouldn't come from our government. I think of the healthcare workers who have bravely confronted the effects of the virus while often not having adequate protection for themselves, but who also continue to do their jobs so they can try and save lives. I think of the social unrest that gripped the country last year due to the deaths of unarmed African-Americans, which sadly is a continuation of a pattern this country has not seriously addressed for years. And I think of all the police officers who go out every day trying to make a difference in their communities, protecting and serving while still having to deal with hate and anger due to the actions of their fellow officers who may not have performed their duty with the honor and accountability they have to feel like they're being attacked by the very people they're sworn to protect, as well as by some local and national politicians, while being used as pawns by others until they're attacked by them too. I think of all the families whose lives 
have been thrown into chaos and the emotional toll it's caused. I know there are many in this country who are feeling overwhelmed, whose emotions bounce between anger, frustration, fear, and despondency, or who are simply just too numb to feel anything anymore. And I just want to tell you, it's going to be okay. As someone who believes in Christ and who holds on to his promises, not always, but I'm trying, I find myself feeling many of the same things and getting to the point of emotional exhaustion. So I, I want to take a moment to let you know that you aren't forgotten and that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. I know how tempting it is to fall into a negative mindset when you're under that kind of pressure, when you can't see anything other than the relentless unfairness of life, but just hang on. Honestly, this wasn't what I planned to talk about for this episode, but I've been experiencing feelings for the past few days and I, I couldn't understand why, but I think it's because someone needs to hear something to help them keep going and not fall into anger or hate or, or depression or to gather themselves and take a step back from those feelings and the actions that they can often inspire. If that's you, I hope you'll take a moment to go on this journey with me and to hear what the Lord has placed on my heart. I know that for many of us, the idea of sitting still in the face of unfairness and struggle is anathema to our collective conscience. We've been taught that the only people who succeed at anything are those who go out and make things happen. And while that's true most of the time, there are some occasions where God wants the exact opposite from us. Now, I want to read Psalm 46, but before I do, I want to point out a word in these verses that's important to understand, and that's Selah. This is a word that's usually translated as a pause, a moment of silence, or an interlude, but think of it as a time to reflect on the words or thoughts that preceded it so that you take time to take it in fully. Now, verse one starts, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roam and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. Selah. Now, let's think about what that's saying. The first thing it says is God is our refuge just means a place where we are protected from our enemies and a safe space where we can find peace and rest from all the troubles that surround us. He's also our strength. He he holds us up when we're unable to fight and takes up our cause because he's with us at every step as we endure what troubles us. He's not so aloof that he doesn't concern himself with what we're going through nor is he so far away that he can't get to us in a time of need. Because we know these things, we don't have to fear. Even if our world is crumbling and falling apart and the things we take pride in, things like our careers, our possessions, our status, those things fall into the abyss. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear when the waves of trouble rages all around us and threatens to drown us because we are safe in him. Now, verse four continues. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the most high. 
God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Now, verse 4 mentions a river whose streams bring joy to the city of God. And I don't know, in my mind, that kind of reminds me of our worship and prayer. When we're dealing with difficult and troubling things, it's often much easier to focus on what's in front of us and try to figure things out for ourselves um, that we can often become over, overcome or desperate. And that often leads us to make many poor choices. But when we force ourselves to focus on our refuge and strength through worship and prayer, we're lifted up to his holy dwelling place and are reminded that wherever God is, fear and doubt can't disturb it. When God chooses to speak, regardless of what's happening in the world, the earth pays attention. The God of heaven's army is with us. The same God who made a covenant to a faithful Abraham, who by faith was blessed with Isaac, even though he and Sarah were way past childbearing years, or even way past being able to do the things that bring children. (laughs) But he is the God of Jacob, who was called Israel. And of all those who are descended from Abraham by faith. Now, verse 8 continues Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has done awesome and fearsome things in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Salah. Now, when we become overwhelmed by our troubles and we find it hard to worship and pray, reflect on the wonders of the world that were made by his hands. I mean, think of the intricacies of what he created in each of us, as well as all around us. I mean, sometimes just take time to go out and be in nature and be reminded of his power and his wisdom. Reflect on those things that he did in the life of Israel and see how he's still active today. I mean, though we see wars all around, we also see peace come when we least expect it. I mean, even from personal perspectives, we see the wars that rage in us, feelings that drive us mad until, I mean, until we change our focus and bring him to the forefront of our thoughts. That's when we see those wars in our hearts cease and, and be replaced by peace. Why? Because we still our hearts and minds. We release our worry and we remind ourselves of the knowledge that he is still God. And our God has and will continually be lifted up before the world. And lifted up before all creation by his glory and our faithfulness. The God of heaven's army is with us right now. The God of our faith is still our fortress, our protector, our peace. Selah. Okay, so let me just say it. I mean, it's it's really easy for someone not going through what you're going through um, to say be still, but let me take a moment to remind you of another story. 
Now, the thing I love about scripture is that it's just as relevant today as it was written um, centuries ago. And while cultures have changed and some may have taken scripture out of context for their own agenda, the principles of scripture and the history of its people um, still speak to our needs today. So many of us are struggling under the weight of the past year, others for much longer, but Israel too faced what seemed like impossible odds. In the book of Joshua, we find that the first city the Israelites take in the promised land is a city called Jericho. Now, this was a highly fortified city. It had very high and thick walls that protected it. I mean, these walls were insurmountable and there was no way for the people to attack the city. Now, this might have seemed like an impossible task if you only focused on the walls, but the people got a little bit of encouragement because they ended up learning that the inhabitants of the city were deathly afraid of them. Now, even though the people of Jericho were behind an impenetrable structure um, that no other army had come close to overcoming, the city had heard of the works of God and how he fought for Israel. And they knew that those walls would be no match for his power. Now, think about how awesome Israel had to feel knowing um, that their enemy was afraid of their God, th their refuge and strength. I mean, even further, think about what they had to do in order to take the city. I mean, they simply had to trust God and obey him. They didn't have to build siege ramps or try to use ra a ram to breach the gates. They simply had to walk and say nothing. They had to walk around the wall seven times and be completely silent. Now, think about how ridiculous some might have felt, um, but I mean, they had to keep their negative, that negativity to themselves and just walk. I mean, God didn't need their understanding or opinion. He didn't need to run things past them to get their consent. He just needed their trust and obedience until it was time for them to shout and watch the walls come crumbling down. Now, what I want to point out about this story is what God said to Israel through Moses before they entered the promised land. And what he repeated to Joshua just before they set out to take their promise. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 31, starting at verse 6, God says, well, excuse me, Moses says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before the nations um, you will come up against. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Then at that point, Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Now do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Now, fast forward into Joshua uh, chapter one, uh, starting at verse six. This is what God says to Joshua in a, in, a, in a quiet moment. He says, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land. I swore to their ancestors I would give them be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will accomplish uh, excuse me, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. 
Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now think about that. Whatever I'm about to take you through, Israel, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. I mean, in other words, don't worry about nothing because I got you. I mean, even more, what what God says to you will not deviate from what he says to the people he's called to lead you. The only difference is that they will be held to a greater standard than you. But with that said, descendants of Abraham through faith, what have you endured that is greater than our God? What problems are you facing that seem so insurmountable? Remember, not even death can separate us from the love of God. And precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. So be strong and courageous, for the Lord is with you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. And just as Israel constantly faced circumstances that were greater than themselves, and the fears and doubt that often accompanied them, They were successful when they focused their trust on God. It was only when they tried to depend on anything or anyone other than God or didn't follow his commands completely that they found failure. And what is God's command and calling for us today? Well, I think Paul says it well in Galatians 5, 13 and 14. He says, you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul put it more succinctly in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, when he said, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. I mean, you see, if you believe in Christ, you've been freed from the power and control of sin, but you have to choose to walk in that freedom daily and not in the way you used to live. When, when we're confronted with challenging circumstances, we must do all we can within our power and within the will of God as his righteous servants and then choose to be still and trust him rather than panic or become frustrated. Because when we've done all that we can do and nothing's changed, being still in God doesn't mean you have no part to play. It just means recognizing when you've done your part and then trusting God with the outcome. When we allow ourselves to fall into the temptation to take matters in our own hands by using unrighteous means and methods, we delay or even deny God's promises in our lives and really end up more frustrated in the end. More importantly, we do damage to God's name when we walk outside of his will. We have to choose to follow the example of Christ who loved and revered God in his name so much that he remained faithful in how he responded to mistreatment from the very people he came to save. And if we don't, we reflect the example of Satan more, who decided he is God's equal and not his servant, feeling like, I mean, he deserved whatever he wanted when he wanted it, regardless of what he had to do to obtain it. Our faith ought to restrain us from doing whatever and hurting whomever to get what we want. So with everything that's going on and the pressures you're under, be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, no matter how hard it gets or how long it seems God delays. And if you should fail and fall, confess your sin. Choose to do differently in the future and keep moving. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remember, he still blessed Israel while fully knowing they would reject him. And Christ still went to the cross, even though none of us were looking for or deserved that grace. So, as Paul said, don't grow tired of doing good. For if we don't give up, a time will come when we will reap a harvest. So as often as we have the chance, we should do good to everyone, and especially to those who belong to our family in the faith. Whoever you are and whatever you're going through, hang in there and don't give up. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate your taking the time to listen to this episode if you found what you heard um, something to your liking or something that's helpful um, please do me a favor and share this podcast um, with your friends family or whoever you uh, might think would get some benefit from a little dose of logic and um, you know whatever you're going through no matter how hard it is you're seen you're not forgotten you're heard his ears haven't grown deaf I know sometimes it can be frustrating waiting for God and praying and praying and praying and seeing nothing change and watching the world go on and succeed, even though they live nothing like what he's asked, uh, what he's asked them to. Don't give up on the faith. Don't give up on honoring God and trust that in the end, he will work all things together for good. Hang in there. Keep walking keep going and i hope you'll tune in next week for another episode but thanks again for listening take care and i'll talk to you soon